The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Let's jump in the Word um, today. We'll be in Acts chapter uh, 10. I don't know if you've ever been in, in a crowd um, and, and you daydream. You find yourself slipping off into a daydream. And I mean like a good one. And then you kind of come back to and you're like, oh, geez, I hope, hope nobody realized I was, I was gone there for a moment. You ever had that happen to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so what, what if I told you that God can speak to you in that? Like in that kind of an experience, the Lord can sometimes speak to us. And that's what we see happening to uh, uh, Peter today is that he has an experience like that. And so as we're reading the book of Acts, all we're reading about is things that Jesus said would happen in the church, the body of people, the gathering that he would put together as he changed lives. And we're just seeing it come to pass in people's lives as it started to happen in the early church as it came out of the ground. And so we, we see that there are a lot of things that obviously we don't have the same power uh, to perform the miraculous like the apostles did. But we see a lot of events happening among a lot of people, and not all of them were apostles. There were only 12 apostles who had a special gifting to do special works, but the the, the Holy Spirit works in all of us. And so as we look at the book of Acts, we see um, the working of the Lord being channeled through people and things happening. So what, what I want you to take away from this is as we've been talking about this whole kingdom series is this is how the kingdom works. This is how it functions. This is how it moves. These are things that you can expect um, the Lord to do in your life as the Holy Spirit works, continues to do what he started in Acts, and he will continue to do until the Lord returns. And so we will continue to function under um, this uh, power and control of the Holy Spirit until the Lord comes back. And when the Lord comes back, then there will be, and I don't want to get lost in this, but upon the return of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, there, the Spirit will, like, there will be a movement of the Lord unlike the world has never known before. Only three periods in history that we know about this. The time of Moses, God moved on the planet like he had never moved before. And then the time of Jesus, there were miracles happening like they've never happened before. And there will happen again during the time of his return. And so between now and then, like we're in this age of the church and his body being um, his representation of himself here on the planet, and we, are, we, we belong to him. We are his body, and so he uses different stuff to talk to us um, and, and reveal things to us. Now, the Holy Spirit, as he reveals these things to us, um, it requires an incredible amount of sensitivity. So for the Lord to speak to you in ways that we're going to look at um, today, it's important for you to understand Uh, that there is a developmental process. We call it sanctification, spiritual growth. And as you mature in the Lord, then you can expect to be able to recognize what the Lord is trying to say to you more easily. And that's how we recognize a mature disciple is one who can hear from the voice of the Lord. They know and they can test, this is from the Lord. This is something the Lord is asking me to do. And they can respond in obedience to what that is that the Lord has asked them. Now, so he reveals something to us. We talked about this throughout the series. The Lord reveals, and then he um, asks us to do something. 
And man, it stops right there. Like you're not getting anything else until you respond to that one thing right there. And that's why we don't have enough mature disciples. It's because the Lord can't keep revealing more information to us because we won't do what he's already asked us to do. And so we, we look at the kingdom and we need to understand that when we're hesitating about something the Lord has clearly asked us to do, we're stopping the divine flow of information into our lives, and therefore we're not experiencing the freedom that comes from fully surrendering to Jesus and allowing him to have his way with us. And so if we're going to do that, then we must have dependence. <laughs> now here's the deal. We don't like to be dependent. Like, we don't like that. Um, we like to be independent. And the way our Western culture is set up and who we are, it's all about independence. That's why we always think if we had more money, um, we would feel better because we would be more free and we would be more independent. But what we don't understand is that independence is the very thing that keeps us from being dependent upon the Lord. This is why Jesus says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because if you have all the money in the world, you can be incredibly independent and thereby make it much more difficult for you to be dependent upon the Lord. And so this independence thing, it trips us up. And so we, we think in terms of, well, and I'm going to show you how it works, and we don't realize this is independence. But we think in our minds, I will, I will do this for the Lord, whatever it may be. Uh, it could be giving. I will begin to give when I have enough money to give. Um, I will begin to serve when I have enough time to serve. I will begin to do this one thing the Lord has asked me to do when I get to this particular place. And you know, what, what is causing that? Well, we think in our minds sometimes that it's maturity. That, well, I know I'm not ready to do this. I have to get a little bit further along. So I, I get a little bit further along, and then I will step out and do it. And so what, we, we think that we're being mature in making that decision. But the, real, the actuality is we're being very immature because it is our pride that is keeping us from doing it. We don't want to depend on the Lord to help us do the thing that we're afraid to do. So our independence that wants to protect ourselves as opposed to yield to the Lord and allow him to show up in the moment is the very thing that keeps us from being dependent on Jesus and what he's asked us to do. So this idea of independence is really, really important for us because the Lord is wanting to move. He's wanting to pour forth his spirit. He's wanting the kingdom to spread and grow. And first and foremost, it must spread in our own hearts. That's what the kingdom is all about. It is the reign and rule of God in the hearts of men. And so the kingdom has to move in my life, and I have to be a willing um, servant of the king to receive how the, the divine information is flowing into my life and respond to it in obedience so that he can thereby continually issue orders, not options, orders for me to follow that I can recognize because I'm sensitive to the Spirit and I have become so dependent upon the Lord that he is consistently speaking to me. 
Okay, so like you, you read the New Testament, and I don't care where you're at in the book of the Bible, and you'll see this. And it all is rooted right back into what Jesus taught about his sheep. What did he say about us? They hear my voice. They listen. They follow. They obey. Okay, so, so when we think in terms of this and, 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 and understand that when two people follow the voice of the Lord, and he is simultaneously speaking to them about something he wants to accomplish in the, in the kingdom, amazing things happen. Okay, so I've been a part of this, like, and it's, it's, it's a blast when it happens. And I see it in Scripture. And so the Lord is moving in ways when we don't have all of the information, but we're listening to the bits of information that he is, he is pouring into us. And we're responding in faith with a step of obedience to the next thing. And so he's pouring forth more information until ultimately the, the, the thing that he wants to accomplish in the kingdom, it, it comes together between the two people. And when it does, there is an eruption of joy. Why? Because we are amazed and blown away by the experience that the Lord has just taken us on. And the spontaneous reaction um, to obedience is always joy. Like in Jesus talking about, um, like when you obey, like this is how people will know you are my disciple and your joy will be what? Complete. Okay? So, so here's the deal. It's exciting to know that God is speaking to us and that, that we get to follow. That's exciting stuff. And so today as we look at this, this uh, story in Acts, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to try to retell the story um, as opposed to just reading through the entire passage. It's, it's rather lengthy. I might jump as we get to the end, but you, but you can read it and study it and sit in it this week and think about how, how does this apply to you as a follower of Christ. But we have this guy by the name of Cornelius, um, which Cornelius is a pretty cool name. Um, always reminds me of, uh, what's it, remind, like, what's, it reminds me of Rudolph. Isn't there a guy in, in Rudolph and there's somebody named Cornelius? Who is it? The, is it the... the Come on, help me out. Which guy is it? He's, well, I can't hear y'all because I'm deaf, but, huh? Oh, he's the dentist? I don't think that's right. No, he's the, he's the, like the guy who goes up the mountain or something, like the Arctic guy, right? Come on, Adam, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, and so like Cornelius, he lived, he lived in Caesarea and he was a centurion, which means that he was, like this guy, like he wasn't like a, like a thinker, he wasn't living in the world of uh, academia, he was, but he was a warrior, and he was a trusted warrior, he was an officer, he had an incredible amount of responsibility. And not only that, he was a very devout individual, which means that he was a very committed and dependable person. And he also feared God, like he, he had a belief in God, he, had a very, he was a very religious uh, person, and he was a generous man. He gave regularly. So he did all of these things, and, and he prayed regularly, okay? But he didn't, he didn't know God. He just was trying to discover who God was, and he was just trying to figure it out on, on his own way. And so one day at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he was praying. And as he was praying, lo and behold, an angel of the Lord shows up in his presence, and it blows his mind. He's staring. He's afraid. Um, he's alarmed by this entire experience. And the voice speaks to him, Cornelius. And he hears the voice. 
And he stared in fear and he says immediately, what is it, Lord? Like he knew that he was in the presence of a divine being. And so as he asked the question, what is it, Lord? He says, your gifts have been heard and, and God has accepted them as a memorial. And he says, you've gotten God's attention. By the, like, so, so, so God is always looking, and, and he's, he's look, what he's looking for is people who are seeking truth. That's why Jesus said, man, if you knock, the door shall be open to you. Seek, and you shall find. He was a seeker. Like, he was confused, but he was seeking truth. And so the Lord brought revelation to him. And so as he brings this revelation to him, and he says to him, um, God, you have gotten God's attention. And he says, send men to Joppa for Peter. And so here's the deal. Here's what we have to understand. That's it. Okay, my knee's bad, all right? I may have to sit down, but it's hard for me to talk and sit down. Um, And so so that's it is that that's all he got from the Lord is that he says, sin for Peter. He doesn't even know who Peter is. Okay? So here's the thing. A lot of times we read the Bible and we think in terms of how God is moving in people's lives and we, we see the whole picture. He didn't have the whole picture. All he was, like, he and he's, he's praying. Boom. He sees, like, an angel of the Lord. And the angel says to him, God has heard your prayers, Cornelius. You need to send for a guy by the name of Simon Peter who is in Joppa. That is all. And so, like, I'm sure he was like, did I really just see, like, did it? But no, I know that happened, okay? But this is what happened to him. And so what I want us to take away from that is that, that, that the Lord, like, we get in places where God brings us a certain amount of information and our dependence must be upon the Lord, and that is all he gives us. There's nothing else coming. There's nothing else coming until we respond to what he's, given, what he's given us. And so what does he do? Well, Cornelius immediately calls two servants and a devout soldier. What does that mean? Someone like himself. Someone who thought like him. Someone who would represent him well. Another devout person that he had in his life. And he sent them out to find Peter. Now, Peter is, uh, he's hanging out at Tanner's, okay? Right. Like, not our Tanner's down the road, but, but Tan- he's hanging out at Tanner's house. Um, a, a Simon is his name, which is really weird for a Jew because there would have been a lot of dead animals around and stuff. And so he's hanging out there. I don't know exactly why. Um, and it's the middle of the afternoon, and he's hungry, and he's tired, and he goes up on the rooftop. And probably a meal is being prepared. And as he's there on the rooftop, Simon lived by the sea, probably so that he could get a lot of salt out for his tannery, right? Because you need a lot of salt. And so there he is, and, and he lived by the sea, and there's, there's, there's probably ships off in the distance, um, probably some wind blowing. He's probably underneath some sort of a canopy or something. And as he's there, and he's hungry, and he's um, like probably thinking about his hunger and looking out at the ships, he sort of falls into a trance. But he's still awake. And as he's in this trance, he has a vision from the Lord. Now, he is awake, like we talked about in the beginning, and he's seeing something that the Lord is helping him to see. And what he sees is he sees heaven open up. And as he looks into the heavens and he sees it open up, he sees a large sheet that is being suspended by its four corners. And it's being lowered down before him. And when it gets down before him, it has all kinds of animals on it. 
for, for, now for the Jew, this was a big deal because it had all kinds of animals. It would have had the clean meats that they could have eaten and the unclean meats that they could not have. So if you like barbecue, you need to thank the Lord for Acts chapter 10. Amen. Because here's when things really shifted uh, for, 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 like, we see that all things become clean. Um, and so he says, as, this, as he looks down upon this, sh- this sheet and all of these animals out there, he hears the Lord say, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And then it goes back up, and then it comes back down. Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Then it goes back up and it comes back down. Three times it happens. Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Never, Lord. Never, he says. Never, Lord. I have never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord says to him, do not call what I have made clean unclean. And so <laughs> as the Lord says that to him, then Peter, uh, he like comes out of his trance. And these guys that have been sent by uh, Cornelius have made their way. And so as Peter's coming out of his trance, and he's probably been tripped up over some relational things. He's probably a little even concerned about where he's staying in this moment in this unclean place. And he's scratching his head. He, we know that there have been some Gentiles um, that have gotten saved, but they were, they were um, proselytes. They are, what does that mean? It means that they had... They were Gentiles that came over into Judaism, and they did it by what the Old Testament said. They had even undergone circumcision, and so they were proselyted Gentiles. They were following the ways of Judaism. And so um, this was probably, as he's thinking about these things, and and remember when the gospel was going to these other areas, it's probably tripping him up a little bit, and the Lord is speaking to him about relational issues that are tripping him up. And so he's sitting there thinking about it, and all of a sudden, he hears a voice out, hey, is this a a place where Simon Peter is staying? And like he hears the voice. And then the Lord impresses upon him, Peter, go and answer these men, for they are looking for you. Don't hesitate. Get up and go with them. I've brought them to you. Boop, that's it. No more information. He doesn't tell him about Cornelius. He doesn't tell him. He doesn't tell him anything. All he tells them is those men that are out there calling your name are coming because I sent them to you. And that's all the information he gets. And so what does Peter do? He goes down and he obeys. He steps in to the obedience. He listens to the voice of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one who told him this. And he goes down and, and the guys, uh, he, he says, hey, I'm the one you're looking for. What are you doing here? Now, this is interesting because the Lord had just told him what they were doing, that they were coming to see him, but he wants to know, and he's asking them a question. And they say, well, bro, like, Cornelius is the guy we serve, and he was visited by an angel, and the angel told him to go down to Joppa and find a guy by the name of Simon Peter. And we've been running all over Joppa, and we're here, Peter, so we don't really know why we're here outside of coming to get you. That's it. And so Peter says, well, why don't you boys come on in? (laughs) <laughs> and they stay the night with Peter, which is pretty, it's pretty interesting because a Jew wasn't allowed to be in the same home as a Gentile. And so the things are kind of being, Peter's already being stretched. So the next day, um, they get up and they go back uh, to, 
uh, uh, Caesarea where Cornelius is, and he, t- Peter takes several uh, of, of his compadres with him as well. These guys who were follow- the early followers of Christ um, in the church, and, and they were Jewish people, which was really important because a big shift is about to happen in the church. And so they make their way back to Caesarea, and when they get there, uh, uh, Cornelius is waiting on them, man. Now watch, this is what dependence looks like, okay? You want to know what dependence looks like? It doesn't look like you constantly having a conversation and talking yourself out of what the Lord has asked you to do. It doesn't look like that. What it looks like is when Peter shows up at Cornelius' house, not only is Cornelius waiting, he's got his entire family there, a bunch of his extended family and a bunch of his friends. Like he believes something's about to happen and he's waiting for more information from the Lord. And so then they, <clears throat> they arrive, and, and, and Peter's there, and, and he says, uh, you know, he, he greets Cornelius, and he asks him as they arrive, <clears throat> and he, he says, like, why did you call for me? And, and so Cornelius begins to explain uh, to Peter. And so he begins to explain to him uh, what what is why they called for him, that he had had this vision that God said for him to send. We don't know. We're just ready to listen what you tell us to do and what the Lord has to say for us. And so again, we see a picture of dependence, dependence, waiting to hear more information from the Lord, waiting to respond in obedience. And so Peter says, he starts with a disclaimer. And he says, you know that it is not legal for me to be in this house right now. Like, you want to talk about racism, man. Like, it is thick during this period of time. Like, they weren't even supposed to go in a, a, a foreign person's house like this. He says, you know that, and I know that. But he says, but God is teaching me some things. And he is showing me that nobody is unclean. And that he doesn't have favorites with anybody. And so he begins to uh, teach them and talk to them about the things of the Lord. Now, so here's where I want to pick up in verse 34 because I think it's really cool um, what happens in Peter's life. So in verse 34, he begins like his teaching. He said, after Cornelius has told him about his experience, um, and and he says uh, in verse 34, then Peter began to speak. Now, if you are writing in your Bible, he says, I now realize how true that is. I want you to underline, I now realize. I now realize. And you could write there the next to I now realize, dependence. That's dependence. So see, Peter is depending on the Lord, and all of these events have unfolded in his life, and he's acknowledging before these Gentiles, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And so what we see is we see movement in the kingdom, where? In Peter's heart first. Now we're about to see it blow up, man. It's about to go way beyond Peter. But if Peter doesn't allow the kingdom to move in his heart and keep listening to the Lord to see what he's going to say to him and how he's stretching him, see, it's about Peter's own movement as as much as it is about Cornelius' movement because there's about to be a major shift in the church and they're about to figure out that the gospel is available to every person. And so he says, I now realize... How true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. 
telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So he says, here's what he's saying. You know how Jesus came to minister to the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. You know that. You know of all of these stories that are circulating. Because this is, this is recent history for them. This was what was flipping the world upside down. And then he says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us. Like he's saying, we, we saw him, who ate with him and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now watch this. So he's just like he's just getting down in there, right? He's just preaching the gospel, man. Like they killed Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. And I'm telling you, it's not just a rumor. I had lunch with the resurrected Christ. Like he's telling his story. This is my story. I met with Jesus after he rose from the dead. And he told me to go about preaching. And so I'm here sharing with you, and you want to know what that angel sent me for? To tell you the truth about Jesus, and that's why I'm in your life right now, bro. That's what he's saying to him. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were uh, astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So we have another thing happening like the day of Pentecost, and it was to show the, these uh, Jewish people who had been raised in a very prejudiced um, society, they had been taught this all their lives, that the gospel was for everybody. There's no favoritism for, uh, from God, and, and the gospel was going to move beyond the nation of Israel. It was for the entire world. And so we, we look at this, and, 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 and they're blown away by it because they have to acknowledge that it is God because they see the same things happening that happened to them that they know that were part of their story, and these people are all converted. And Peter says this, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So boom, all these people that, were, that Cornelius had gathered became Gentile followers of Jesus. And I think it's pretty cool that we see that, again, baptism always follows conversion. He's like, man, get some water. Let's baptize these bros in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because they have just received the Lord. Now, here are a few observations real quickly because I'm tired. It gets hot in here. My knee doesn't feel good. Now, I just want to go home. No, I'm just kidding. Here, here, here's the first one. And, and, like, this is not new. If you've been around me, you've heard me say this before. You'll never hear God in a dream if you can't hear him when you're awake. Like, you're never going to hear the Lord in a dream if you can't hear the Lord when you're awake. 
So how do we hear the Lord when we're awake? We have to take time to abide in the word. We have to, we have to take time to develop a consistent, um, like personal worship and prayer, seeking the heart of the Lord. We call this abiding. Jesus said in John 15, unless you abide in me, you cannot produce fruit. Okay? So you have to be doing that. And, and this word trance is the word ecstasis. And it, it means awake, but our mind is drawn off from all surrounding objects. And it is fixed on the divine. And then God shows us realities that he wants us to see. See, when we, when we, when we get into this place, man, the Lord can, he can start using stuff all around us to speak to us. And so here's for the guys who go, man, my church is the outdoors. I don't go to church. That's ridiculous. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I love the outdoors, and the Lord speaks to me in the outdoors. But I could never be clear on what the Lord was saying about truth if I didn't have a time with my local 